and we will.
one of these days. I used to be so lonesome, I never had a friend. Always looking out for number one. Didn't know where I was going, didn't care where I had been. The life I lived that had me on the run. One day Jesus found me, he took my sin away. He showed me what I thought I'd never see. family and he's with me to this day let me tell you what salvation's done for me Stronger than I thought I'd ever be. Can't tell you why he loves me as bad as I had been. Why I'm worthy of this life of victory. I know I'm not a scholar, just a sinner saved by grace, but I can tell you what salvation done for me one day when life is over I'll come to my reward where heaven waits for all who've been set free with saints from all the ages in the presence of my Lord this is what salvation's done for me
just a sinner saved by grace, but I can tell you what salvation done for me. bunch of other people could too what salvation's done for me
heard this song a thousand times, and I used to call it the funeral song. Uh, it just made me sad. I didn't really want to hear it or listen to it. That's the honest truth. But the more that I looked at the words as I've gotten older and I've drawn closer to Jesus, the more the words speak to me. Um, the second verse says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." And I always wondered, like, what in the world does that even mean? Um, Jesus, his grace is what calls us to repentance. And while he's near, we can call on him. He's calling you, call back. He's here. Um, I also, as I was sitting here, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm not, uh, I got my own mess all the time. You know, sometimes life is stressful, but I feel kind of heavy. Like there's a spiritual heaviness. And so I just want to praise him. Um, April always says, put on a garment of praise. I know the Bible says that, but we have to put on our worship. And even in spite of whatever you might be facing, put, put him on like a big hug and just be thankful for his grace. And if you don't know his grace, it's the best hug you could get. So. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed Fear.
chapter of Matthew. I know what God has been saying to me all week, so I could apologize, but it won't do you no good. So, You know, I look at it like God speaks to me, tells me those things that needs to be said. Connie, sometimes, you know what, I'm wrestling with it all week long because I don't know how to say it in the right way or the nice way. But I do know that God has loved us all of our life. This amazing grace that she sung about is here today. It's still working in people's lives. God is a gracious God and no matter how, how do I say, how good a Christian you think you are or how poor a Christian you think you are, it is only because of the grace of God that you're here, that I'm here, or that anyone else is here. I want to start with something that I think God said to me, and I said it last week when I began to preach about the woman caught in adultery. Only one was worthy to throw a rock at her in the whole place, and that was Jesus. He knew she was guilty. He saw it. You were here last week, and you remember that story about the Pharisees brought her to Jesus, said the law says to crucify her. She's commit, she was caught in the very act of adultery.
but Jesus got down and wrote in the sand. Only Jesus in the whole place was worthy to throw stones at anyone. Why? Because I want you to listen to the fourth chapter of Matthew. And I want you to understand why he's worthy. If one thing needs to be said, it's this. And hear me true, Christians, listen to me. Judgment will begin at the house of God. And I can tell you right now, it's going on. God is the judge, not you. Hear what I'm telling you. And I know someday the Bible says, and I'm going to get on that tonight, about how we'll judge angels and we'll judge the world. Because we'll be set on the throne and we'll know all things. It ain't hard to make a judgment, mom and dad, when you're telling your children something that you already know, they just don't see it. It's not hard to be the right judge and say the right thing. But can I tell you something? God is the true judge. Our Savior came and all things were put into his hand. All judgment's given to him. But judgment must start at the house of God. If our world has got a problem, the problem probably, if God's trying to do anything for the world, it's get his church back in the right place. I know you don't want to hear this, and I sometimes don't like to tell you what I know God said to me, but I know it's true. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, it says in the first verse, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. He'd just been baptized. And he was led up in the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And it says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungered. He was afterward a hungered. How many knows? 40 days and 40 nights going without food is a long time. He was hungry. How many knows Satan knows where to push your button? He does, Christian. Listen to me. He'll find something that you used to like and he'll put it before your face. Be careful when you throw the TV on and you think anything I want to watch is okay. Be careful. Be careful what the world is spilling, even on the news. Be careful what they're spilling. They'll tell you what the question is. How many knows you got to go to God to find out what the real story's about? They'll tell you the question and then tell you the answer. And you know what? My world don't tell me how I'm supposed to live. My God tells me how I'm supposed to live. And my God, your God, is the one that we need to look to in what he says. And that's why his word is so important. That's why his word keeps coming at us because it feeds us. It's food for our soul. It's what keeps us uh, healthy as Christians. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterward was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, who's the tempter? Satan. He says, and the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if you go back into John, the second chapter, I'm not going to read it, but it's there, You first John, the second chapter, 
you go back there, you find out that there's uh, three things in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all sin will fit into those things. You don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. The lust of the flesh, if you ain't ate in 40 days, guess what? You're hungry. And it's hard to reject it. I, I remember going, Vicky, Vicky and Jill's father was in the hospital, Harmon. I'd been around Harmon all my life, and I'd come to a hospital, and Harmon had... Uh, had his uh, his uh, gall not with his gallbladder it was a uh, pancreas his pancreas had got infected and they would not let him eat or drink anything I mean nothing went through his lips for a long time I don't know if it was a couple months or whatever it was he could not eat or drink I was at the hospital that day when they gave him a popsicle first thing he put in his lips. And I want you to understand something. Harmon was a good guy. We were friends. We went and tried to play golf together. We did a lot of things. And I used to love to be around him. This is Vicky and Jill's father. But I remember standing there that day, and I got that picture last night when I was thinking about this. They took that popsicle that nurse did, and she wrapped that wrapper around the stick. And she handed it to him. And he hadn't ate in a long time, and he shook. He was trying to get it to his mouth. And I remember him putting that to his lips. How hard was it for him to taste something when his taste buds had been waiting so long? They were feeding him through the, through the IVs. That's the only way you could get anything in him. But they had to dry out the pancreas by not letting him take any water or any, anything in his mouth. He laid for months that way. But how many knows when, you, when you've gone that far? I remember my Uncle Eskel the same way. He asked me, he waited till everybody got out of the room. I was 29 years old. He looked at me and he said, Tim, he said, come here. He said, go get me a little water. And I'm knowing he's not allowed to have it. And I poured a little bit of water, about that much, in a little white cup. And I handed it to him. And when he took it and looked at it, he looked up at me and said, Oh, Tim, it was just a little bit, just enough to wet his mouth. He was getting on my case because I didn't give him enough. You know, I blamed myself that he that I even gave because he died later. Not then, but months a month or two later he died. And I know they what they were trying to do, and I didn't know nothing about medicine. I just know in his mind he had to have something to drink. Jesus suffered something, but listen to me, the lust of his flesh. He said, I don't live by bread. I don't live by these things. I don't live by this. So that lust that was in him that desired that, he turned it away because the tempter had tempted him. One of the greatest problems in the church is Christians cannot discern what is from God and what is from the enemy. Excuse me, but it's true. We have to grow up in Christ and be able to discern, be able to judge what is right and wrong. 
And the Holy Spirit will teach us. He'll show us things we never saw before. But number one, and they sang it, and I'm going to bring it back. They sang the song, lay your Isaac down. You need to lay yourself down. Jesus laid himself aside in this time. Listen to what I'm telling you. He passed the test. How about that? He was tempted of the devil and he passed the test. And that's why he's the only one that was worthy to throw a stone. The only reason we can't do things in Christ's name is because we keep playing the game with the world and not following him, not laying our Isaac down. I'm laying me down. You have to lay aside your children. You have to lay aside your wife. You have to lay aside your husband. And I don't mean kick them out. I'm talking about set them as second next to him and live for Christ. If Christ is not first in your life, guess what? You've got him somewhere down the list. And he's a jealous God. He ain't going to take that. He's the one that gave you life and them life. But he answered, a man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on a pinnacle and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down. As it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. What's he saying to him? What's Satan tempting him here with? The pride of life, I believe. Why? He's telling him, if you're the son of God, it's written that the angels will protect you so you can throw yourself off this mountain and, and you'll be okay. They can't nothing happen to you if you're really who you say you are. But how many knows he was tempting the flesh side? He's not tempting the son of God. He's tempting him to use his flesh. In a godly way. And how many knows if Jesus don't become like me and you? See, you got to reject your flesh. You have to reject the pride inside of you that says, yeah, that's right, I deserve that. Uh-oh. You deserve what you got? I don't think you deserve anything. I don't think I deserve anything. Why do we act like we deserve it? You say, I worked all my life. Yeah, you can work all your life and God can take your life just like that. That's where the rich man said, I'll just build me some bigger, bigger things to hold all my goods. And we got a world full of people living on that. They just keep building bigger and storing it up somewhere. And can I tell you something? You ain't taking a thing with you. And most of what you leave behind to your children is going to hurt them, not help them. They'd be better off to find out life is worth striving for and fighting the fight of faith and walking away from their flesh. But if all you do is feed their flesh, guess what they're going to feed on? Their flesh when you're not there. They need to feed upon the Spirit of God. They need to feed on this relationship with God. They need to lay themselves down and say, Lord, I want you more than I want anything in this life. You got anything that important to you? 
Do you just live for the things that God gives you? Do you think the church is about the prosperity that they're preaching? It's not. They can prosper and prosper and prosper with material things and still leave it all behind. There ain't one of them that's got a jet that's going to help them get to heaven. And I know it fly, it'll fly up. They could buy a rocket and it ain't going to get them there. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You've got to get off of the temptations of what the world's wanting you to do and get back on saying, Jesus, I need you and I need you only. Sounds like I've went off of the judgment, but I'll get back to it. It says, Jesus said unto him, it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil takes him to an exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. There have been all kinds of arguments. Why? Who is the devil? How can he take Jesus here? How can he do this? I tell you, he, can, he said those things just like he tempts you and I with things from our past. He reads you when you're under that temptation. And when he reads you, sometimes they say it, we tell on ourselves. But the real truth is we are playing a game with the devil and he will defeat you. You can't do this on your own. You need the power of God inside of you to take the stand that you need to take against the enemy. But it says, he took him to a high mountain, showed him the world and all the glory of them. Now, what do you think that means? I think it, he probably showed, uh, he could have even showed him America. He could have showed him the great armies that you've heard about through history. He could have showed you all the things that a king has. He could have showed you the great palaces. He could have showed you the rich neighborhoods all around the world. He could have showed you the glory and the fame of all of our uh, sports people and all of the people in Hollywood. He could have showed you all of those things and said, if you serve me, fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the glory of these things. But how many knows Jesus knew? Jesus knew when the devil offers you something, step back. Think on what the heavenly father has already He knew because he was the father's son. He knew what the father had given him to say and to do. He goes on to say, Then said Jesus, verse 10, to him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And I say Jesus passed the test. And I say when he gets done passing the test, guess what? There is one that is the judge. You may not like what I'm telling you, but I'm going to tell you something. God is trying his best to get his church back to letting Christ be Christ. We keep doing this self-righteous stuff of trying to correct people, and we ain't the one that Christ never died and left you in charge. Okay? I've heard that all my life. Who died and left you in charge, left you the boss? And that's the way we look at it in our flesh. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus died, but he has ambassadors and people that go in his name and do his thing. But we don't judge nobody. 
We're not out to judge people, put people down, tell them how we did it right. You need to do it like I do it. Get behind me and follow me. No, I tell you, get behind Christ. Follow him. If you don't begin to follow him, guess what? Man will lead you wrong. Because man's of the flesh and the tempter keeps tempting the flesh all the time. He keeps knocking on my door. I don't know about you, but he knocks on my door every week. You know what? You got to make up your mind. I don't go there. I don't do that no more. I surrender it to him. Listen to me, young Christian. If you don't listen to what I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself learning it the hard way. Yes, God's amazing grace. We'll fall back on our knees and we'll say, God, I feel guilty. I know I'm guilty. I didn't do right. I didn't listen to you. I didn't pray about it. I went ahead and did what I wanted. Never cared what you said. And we got people in the church doing that all over the place. We got ministries doing that. Don't care what God says. We know how we can make money. You know how many times we get phone calls and papers in the mail and all these things are about how we can bring our church to thousands of people and how we can bring our church to all kinds of money and just build bigger and grow. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't handle what I'm doing now. They'd have to get somebody else to do it. But see, we, they have got it in their mind, and it's always to fulfill the flesh side of man. I don't care if the neighbors think we're rich. I don't care if the neighbors think we're uh, funny-acting people. All I want them to see and feel is that the presence of God comes into this church weekly. And when they see people coming in and going back out with a praise on their lips and a smile on their face and they're happy, they're going to figure out there's something happy going on in here. Okay? We ain't nobody, but God is on our side. And we don't have to have the millions of dollars to make it. All we need is Jesus. John, the third chapter. The 35th verse. I'm going to read a couple one verses. I want you to hear this and here. The first one says, The Father loves the Son and hath given all things into his hand. How many knows when Jesus paid the price, when Jesus passed the test, all things were put into his hand. Listen to what I'm telling you. See, people don't care if you talk about a different God. Just don't mention Jesus. You know why they want to shut Jesus? They want to shut him out because he's the one that paid the price. He's the one that has the power to stand against the enemy and win the victory. And that's where we're to stand in. In John, the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse, the father judges no man but hath committed all judgment unto the son. Acts, the uh, 10th chapter, Peter preaching Jesus to Cornelius, he said, He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he, talking about Christ, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And to him, uh, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. What's he saying? God ordained Christ. 
and all judgments put into his hands. So you know what I tell you? I'll tell you what God said to me. Get your eyes off of judging other people. You are nothing but a servant. I am nothing but a servant. I, I don't stand up here to throw darts at you. I don't stand up here to judge you differently than I judge my own self. But my heavenly father gave me life, and if I am to give it to somebody else, I can't throw darts at them. My kids won't be uh, be, believe in this if I constantly tell them no matter what you do you're never going to be good enough you know that puts you down you have to give space for people to grow you have to give space I've seen it in a church where people is ready to throw somebody out the door why they didn't like the way they said something they didn't like the way the words came out and you know what I ain't never said my words exactly right anytime and sometimes that's what I worry about, Ryan. I'll start to say something, and I'll think, oh, I need to pray about this, because if I say this the wrong way, somebody's going to take it wrong. You know what? 90% of the time, they take it wrong anyway. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And I guarantee you what Jesus said, the Pharisees didn't want to hear it. Scribes and the Pharisees, they criticized him one way or the other. Either he's too much or he's not enough. We had people, my dad used to say it, we had people that come into this church, they'd say, you guys ain't Pentecostal enough. They left. Then they'd have other people come in and say, you guys are too Pentecostal. We're leaving. And dad just looked at me and said, I don't know how in the world you please anybody. That's a God job. That ain't our job. Quit fighting it. You can't. But can I tell you something? The enemy is getting in churches and dividing us. We don't like each other. Oh, I love you. I have to love you. Larry says we have to love everybody. But I really don't like you. You don't say things the way I say it. You wasn't raised to know better than I was. You know, ain't that kind of petty? We sound like a bunch of spoiled children. And I'm sure our Heavenly Father already knows the intent of your heart when you say something. So you might say it wrongly, I might say it wrongly, but God already knows my heart and I'll be judged for what I said. Not just my words, but what my heart's doing. If I'm, if I'm bitter at you, if I hate you, if I don't, really don't like you at all and I want to be mean to you, you know what, that God, that didn't come from God. That comes from the old self, the old flesh. That's why we have to be smarter than what the enemy's doing. We have to keep leaning on Jesus every day. We have to keep him in our life every day. In Acts the 17th chapter, verse 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. You've heard this, Apostle Paul. It's but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day into which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance to all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. You don't want to know? Jesus rose from the dead. That means God couldn't leave him in the grave because why? He wasn't guilty of anything. Now you know why he can be the judge and we can't. See, we're the guilty parties. And it's sad to say God will take us in, clean us up, 
clean the slate, and we'll go right back criticizing. We'll go right back murmuring and complaining constantly. And God said, I set you free from that. I released you from that. I forgave you, but you're starting to dig a hole again. And the hole you're digging, you're going to have to repent of someday. I'll bring it back to your face, but don't go there. In Romans, the 14th chapter, if you've got your Bible turned there, it says, verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Uh-oh. We're going to get in trouble here. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? More or less, you, you treat him like he's nothing. Let me tell you something. One of these little children come up here and says, I got to tell you something. I pay attention. I never know if God's going to use them to rebuke me. Because I believe God loves us so much. He'll send little children to correct you. If you won't hear it from nobody else, he'll send the little children. But get off yourself and start acting like a Christian. Because God's people don't do that. We don't chop people up and tear them apart and kick them out the door. We don't pass judgment on them. We don't live that kind of life. God set us free from that. The world's doing that. Go around your neighbors, those that ain't Christians. What do you got a camper in your parking lot? Did you buy you a camper? They don't want to know everything about you. So they can go around and tell the whole neighborhood. They don't care about me. Can I say it? Jim's not here, Jim and Connie. But can I tell you, they don't care. I'm talking about most of the neighbors in our neighborhood. They don't care. They want to know your business. But if you ask them to go to church, well, I don't go to church. I don't believe in that stuff. And I'm thinking, you're wasting your life. I got a neighbor, and she has a hard time. And I'm not going to mention her name. But the real truth is, I have prayed with her. I have asked her to come to church. And she is just completely engulfed in criticism. I can't, I can't break her on any of it. I just keep looking at her like, I ain't going to do it. She cursed at me the last time. Sitting in her car, she gave me all these curse words and said, and talking about it, the other neighbor, and she said, now you can quote me on that. And I said, I don't use those words. <laughs> she just looked at me and grinned. But she was testing me. How do you say it? She was trying me. She wanted to see if I'd join her criticism. It's there. Every day in your life, it's there. It can be at your work. It can be anywhere. I've, I've seen it. They can do one thing to somebody on the railroad and hundreds of miles in another place where guys are waiting on a layover trying to get back home, they hear about it 10 minutes after it happened because everybody's on their cell phone telling all the business. And they don't know if it was really true, but they quote it as true. And can I tell you, that's even in the church. We quote things sometimes, and it really wasn't the heart of what that person said at all. But somebody didn't like them, had already thrown the darts out. I don't know why I'm throwing that at you. You know what? I'm, just, I'm trying to forewarn you. I'm trying to tell you, beware. The enemy knows how to push your buttons. 
And he knows how to get you in that hole. Romans 14, chapter 10, verse. Why dost thou judge thy brother, and why dost thou set it thy brother and not? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I hope to goodness I keep myself clear. I don't want to have a problem with anybody. Because when I stand before Christ, I, he may look right at me and say, what about that person that I told you to love and pray for, and now you chopped them up? You don't like them. You don't want them. You'd just soon kick them out of your church or convince them they ought to go somewhere else. You know what? If God wants us to have patience with people, how many knows God was patient with you? He was patient with me. So where have we become these people that can chop people up? We're not allowed to do it. God's not happy with that. And the enemy is. So that I'll tell you right there, you're in the wrong place. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his brother's way. I hope you hear that. Because can I tell you something? You can ignore what I'm saying today. You can go out and say, I didn't like that music. I didn't like that song. I didn't like that person. I don't like anything comes out of their mouth. You can start doing all of that stuff. But can I tell you something? If you don't watch out, Christian, you're going to put a stumbling block in front of somebody that may not understand that they even did a wrong thing. Be careful. You, your children, if they're not saved, you want them to come to church. If they come to church with half the clothes they ought to have on or the wrong clothes and they don't comb their hair right or they don't look Christian when they come in and we start tearing them down, guess what? The mother and father ought to take them somewhere else where somebody has some compassion for them. Because the truth is, they are finally come to a place where you finally see them come in the door and somebody's got to have the evil eye to criticize them. Get off of yourself. Get off your opinion. I don't want to hear your opinion. Do you know I got an opinion? I could skip this and just give you my opinion up here today. You won't like it. You won't agree with me probably half the time. But see, I think I'm right, so I just give you my opinion. Mike, that's the way it works, ain't it? Just throw out your opinion. Well, that's my opinion. You know what? I don't really care what your opinion is. I don't really care what mine is. God's already showed me you ain't going to get away with your opinion. You better get back in the Bible and find out what I said. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> Second Timothy 4, 1, 4th chapter, 1st verse says, Paul said this to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Jesus is coming back soon. Don't get caught here in that place. Some people, you look at them and you think, all they care about is money. Well, their money, they're going to lose it. Yeah, you might lose your way if you're being critical of other people. You know what? That might be something to hold you right here. 
God doesn't call us to be critical. And can I tell you something? I know what you're thinking. There's a scripture, it's in James, I think it is, third chapter. And it says something about if you judge, judge righteously. But it's talking about judge not according to appearance. It's really correcting you. But we take that and run off to somebody else and say, I do things right. Let me tell you what's wrong with you. And I tell you something, that ain't ever going to swim. You can't convince nobody of, that it, God loves you and he wants to forgive you and you can bring your life to him and let him clean you up and let him put the spirit of God in you and let him turn you into what he wants to do in you. We'll, it'll never happen if man is in charge of doing that. But God's the one that does it. And when he does it, I got nothing to say. In fact, I will get out of your way if God calls you to stand up here and do this. I'd be happy to sit down there and just praise God. But I want what God wants. And I want you to want what God wants in your life. It's personal. We keep telling everybody that. Somebody was talking about it yesterday. It's a personal thing. I love my wife. I love my children. I'd do anything I could to convince them of Christ. But can I tell you something? i got to personally walk with God first. If I don't personally walk with God, i got nothing to, I got nothing to give them. i give them a little money and it won't last long. And like I said, most of it will hurt them more than help them. I want to turn to this. It's in the Matthew, the sixth chapter. Right after Jesus taught them how to pray. Maria got on this the other night. I want to read 14 and 15. Two verses. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses. What does trespass mean? I'm going I'm to I'm get on your nerve a little on this one. Because trespassing to me, I can go down, I went down to my Uncle Raymond's years ago, and you get down on the farm, and they got fences around their farm. When it gets so far back in the woods, you can't see nothing, but when you get to that fence, you got to know that ain't his land on the other side. Stay on your own side of the fence. Be careful what you're doing. When you get over there, guess what you're doing? You're trespassing. Sometimes I think these people that judge thinks they're correcting somebody else. Can I tell you something? All you've did is trespass on their property. Look out. You're going to get yourself in trouble because God's telling us don't trespass. It ain't my place to come and raise you up as a Christian. That's the Holy Spirit and God's word that will work in you. I'm not supposed to sit down here and say, now, yeah, when you say this, don't say these words. Say these words. You know what? That ain't never going to work. I have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, and so do you. But how many know sometimes people has got a bad habit of trespassing on somebody else's side of the fence and saying, you know what? I think you ought to do it like I do it, and I think you ought to give me that land, or I think you ought to straighten your act up and act like I do. And sometimes I'm telling you, we're getting ourselves in trouble. I don't have no idea why God put this on my mind. I'm glad I don't know none of your business. If you're being critical, that's on you. That ain't on me. I promise you, I got my own problems. 
I like to just stand up here and talk about my problems. And I've got some. But the truth is, God is working on us. God's working on this church. God's working on his people. He don't want you to get saved and sit and do nothing. He wants you to go through this life and have victory. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He don't want you to come in here next week and be all down in the dumps. Oh, the devil got on my back. You know, let me tell you, something. the devil's going to be on your back till the day you take your last breath. Get your mind made up. Get your heart set on I'm going to be with Jesus someday and I'm going to live for him one day at a time. I have no idea what I'll face tomorrow. He says... For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you, yours. But if you forgive not men's trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh-oh. You mean I ain't allowed to criticize them because God might not? You know what God will do? The old saying is you reap what you sow. And how many of you saw your, uh, you've, tried to correct your children and they wouldn't hear it and they went off and did it their way anyway and then they come back and before you know it they're acting just like you did toward their kids. They're saying the same things mom used to say to their kids or dad used to say to their kids. What they didn't know then they finally found it out the hard way. They finally found out the hard way. Well God is trying to warn us don't trespass. Now I want you to turn to the hard one. Matthew 18. And Becky can come back up. Matthew 18. Jesus is talking again. And he starts talking to him about sin and forgiveness again. Listen to this. Matthew 18 verse 15. Jesus said this. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if the if he neglects to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man or a publican. Now some people don't, they take this scripture as it's their right as a Christian, a self-righteous Christian. They have their own self-righteous walk. And I'm sorry, but I'm telling you the way I see it. They have a self-righteous walk and they take it in their self that I have the right to trespass on your ground and tell you you're not doing it right. Now, you know, he says, if there's a fault, sometimes these faults are because they're young. Sometimes because they never was raised that way. They don't know better. You can be ever so hard on somebody else and they never was raised like you were raised. You might have learned that when you was a kid, but they didn't learn that yet. So be careful how you throw your darts at people because God's watching you. If you're a representative of Christ, you're supposed to have a forgiving heart. You're supposed to step up with mercy. Understand me? I, I never, you cannot win them with that bitterness. You have to do it with honey. 
You have to do it the right way. If you come to somebody, and this is where I see this, people take this scripture and they run with it like I have a, I am a righteous person and I have the right to tell them they're wrong. Look out, because I tell you right now, you're barking up the wrong tree. God's watching you, and I can promise you God knows the intent of your heart when what you're saying. If you're passing judgment, and I get on this tonight, but if you're passing judgment on your brother, how many knows the scripture where it talks about you can cast out the moat out of your brother's eye, but you can't cast out the beam in your own eye? Some people have judgment. They don't have mercy. They only have judgment. Let me correct you. That's all they want to say. Let me correct you. But they don't realize how many times God has forgiven them and God probably needs to forgive them again because they might have a beam in their eye, not a little twig or a little piece of straw, what they call a moat. No, they got this big old beam sticking out. And everybody sees their problem. Might be your attitude, might be your characteristic inside of you. Something's bothering you always. And some of it's self-righteous. Look out. I know I'm, I'm, I'm upsetting everybody here. Y'all getting mad at me. I can tell by looking at you. But I can't help it. This is what I know God said to me. And you know what? I'm not trying to change God's word. I know there are times when you have to bring things openly and say, there's, you know, hey, this is a problem. But don't make the problem and then want to bring it to me because I can tell you right now, I don't want to deal with you. I'll have to turn around and look at you and say, what about your problem? Because God is not happy when we want to throw darts at others, but we can't, we can't even see our own problem. Now, you know what? I've got elders here, and they know what I'm talking about because I can tell you right now, this has been going on in the churches for years. And it has split churches over and over and over and over. What does it tell me? It tells me some people just don't want to worship with you. They don't want to get along. They're looking for the faults in others. If you live next door to me and my house, my house was glass, okay, you'd probably say, that guy... He ain't no preacher. He look at him. He's laying there on the couch, belly hanging out. What's the matter that guy? Get his act together. Look godly. Look something. Uh, nobody's done that. I know. You know what? If you if you live that close to me, well, can I tell you when you come to church and you live with people and you get around them, they're family. This is the family of God. I, you got a problem. I ain't coming up. I don't want you coming up here and thinking, let me get, let me get my stick and I'll beat that out of you. <laughs> no. We have to have love for each other because it might be me tomorrow. And God said we are to keep coming together like this because the enemy's fighting every one of us. He's trying his best to divide our church. He's trying to divide full gospel assembly. He's trying to divide any church that wants God's presence in it. I know I'm screaming at you. I don't mean to scream at you, but I think this is such an important subject, and I don't know how to say it in a nice way except to tell you I love you, and I don't want to be critical of anything you're doing. I don't walk in your shoes, so I don't have no idea what brought you to that day. 
But can I tell you something? We need to start examining ourselves. We need to start looking and saying, Lord, please help me to have compassion. And Lord, help me to have forgiveness in my heart. Because people are in need. And they don't know how to find their way out of it. And Jesus laid down his life and died for them. And sent us to go out and to reach to them and draw them to him. It says in John 8, last verse, John 8, 15. The Pharisees came to Jesus, accusing Jesus of bearing record of himself. Okay, listen to what I'm saying now. How did he bear record of himself? He began to tell something. And they said, oh, you're just bearing record of yourself. He says in verse 15, you judge after the flesh. This is John 8, 15. You judge after the flesh. I judge no man. Listen to what he's saying to these Pharisees. Because it's what I said to start with. You got to get out of the flesh. You got to pray about everything you say, do, and how you treat other people. Because I can tell you something, God's going to hold you accountable. Why? Because our flesh says, I got the right. But the Spirit of God is telling you, have mercy on that person. You don't know what they're doing with, dealing with. You have no idea the hurt they got inside of them. You have no idea the anger and the, and the torment they've went through in life. Sometimes they would love to be in your shoes, but they don't get it. They don't get it yet. Enemies keeping them blinded. He says, you judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. See, the Father spoke through the Savior, spoke through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will speak through us. He'll tell you just about the time you think, I'll just give up. Some brother that really is close to God has been praying will get you on their mind and they'll call you. And we are, and they never call you. And they'll say, all I had when I was down praying, all I could see was your face. And God told me, call you and tell you he loves you. How many times has that happened? Many times. Why? Because God... God loves us. He cares. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you're hurt. He's wanting his people to love people that way. They didn't know him. They didn't know Christ. The Pharisees didn't. And they were of the flesh and judged after the flesh. But Jesus didn't. He looked at a broken life. And he said, come to me, and I'll help you. He looked at that woman yeah, last week, caught in adultery, didn't have no excuse. But he said, where's your accuser? None, Lord, none's here. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Praise God. That's the God we serve. That's the plan of salvation for you today. Come unto me. Let Jesus tell you 
it's okay. I forgive you. That's how simple. People will never look at you. They, some people will hold on to it. They hate you the rest of their life. You know what? You can't fix it. All you can do is say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. But can I tell you something? Jesus forgave me. And I know how to say I'm sorry now. They don't have judgment on people. They don't want to get in the judgment line with others. They don't want to be critical of other people. They want to be like Christ wants them to be. Follow him. Everybody stand if you will. I know it's a hard subject, but can I tell you, God's dealing with his church. He's dealing with the church today. And he wants the church to get better. He don't want you to lay in scars and sores and be hurt because somebody hurt you a long time ago. So you got righteousness and you got self-righteousness where I'll tell you what you ought to do. You know, get away from it. Whatever hurts you, let it go. Forgive that person. I've had grandkids. I've got grandkids that are hurt from way back and broken marriage. I've got grandkids that can't get over it. They cannot let it go. They don't see how their life can be different because they're just defeated inside. Why didn't he love me? Why didn't my dad care about me? You know what? Somewhere along the line, you've got to brush that off. I hurt people in my life. I'm glad that God forgave me, but all I can do is keep walking and do better. We need to love people today. Can I tell you, God's talking to us. God's trying to get us ready for he's coming back. And when he appears, we're all going to stand for the judgment seat of Christ. You and I both. Judgment seat of Christ. And he's a worthy judge. He knows exactly why you did everything you did. He knows where you're hurt, and he knows if you're trying to hurt somebody else. Listen to what I'm saying. If you need to pray, you come. God speaks to us through these things. He's listening. He knows what's going on in your mind right now. Come to him while you have opportunity. While he's saying I stood in the courtroom, the judge turned my way, it looks like you're guilty, now what do you say, I spoke of your honor.
said it, the tongue is almost impossible to tame. Can I tell you, sometimes we just flap away, not realizing who, what, what we're hurting, who we're hurting, what we're saying. But can I tell you something, Jesus changed in here. That what comes out of here will have grace and mercy. If somebody comes and tells me Duran came into their house and cursed them out, said, I ain't working for you, I ain't doing nothing, I wouldn't believe you. Because I know Duran don't talk that way. I know God has tamed his life. God's working inside of him. We don't do those things. So don't let the enemy get you on that side of being somebody's critic. I don't care who they are. They need mercy. They need mercy. And you need it. You still need it. That's why Jesus came. We can't do this on our own. Don't live in bitterness. I see people living in bitterness all their life. They won't come to Christ because they can't forgive somebody gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Only him in us can change our tongue. And that which we was, the old man, we'll put him to death. He don't rise up inside and tell us what we have to say. I tell you, you know what, I said that about the driving a car. Sometimes I think, boy, that old man, I'm glad I didn't have a gun in my hand. I, I don't shoot guns, but it's like I, I would like to have a zapper to at least stop their car. You know, I know that's a bad attitude, but can I tell you, I, I know the old man. And you know what, the enemy wants me to pay attention to the old man tempter comes around he pushes your button catch yourself say wait a minute what will Jesus do now all the way to his last breath said it this morning Connie did all the way to his last breath he said forgive them they don't know what they're doing he had forgiveness he had mercy that's who we are 
That's who we are, Christian. If you're not that, you need to get there. And that's why God gives messages like this. That's why he's constantly warning. Beware, beware of the tempter that's knocking on your door.